before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness, an inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness brave men would not venture, for as the map says, here there be monsters. Good evening and welcome to Here There Be Monsters podcast. I'm your captain, Derek Hayes. Tonight I'm going to play a mixed bag of stories, a little of this and a little of that. But first, I owe you all an apology. It's been two weeks since the release of the last episode. I simply did not have enough calls to put together a show, so instead of hodgepodging something together, I opted not to do a show altogether. Hopefully, in the future, we won't have that problem. And to ensure that that won't happen again, I'm going to once again ask that if you've had an encounter or know someone that has, please call the hotline at 888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-6444. I know there are several of you sitting on the fence debating whether or not to share your tale. I can assure you that it's a quick and painless process, so please consider making that call. Now... Let's get on with tonight's show. The world is a strange place. Strange enough without the aid of the supernatural. But that does not stop thrill-seekers from their search. Ghost hunters spend entire nights in places most would not spend a minute. Cryptozoologists trek the deepest and darkest forests and jungles in search of the unknown. And ufologists spend countless hours, necks a-tilt, gazing at the sky. But paranormal pursuers are not limited to those brave adventurers. There's exploration to be made in your own home. Our first caller is a prime example of just such an experience. One does not always need to leave the safety of their living room to come face to face with the unknown. So this story originally happened to my mother about 40 years ago. When she was a teenager, my mom decided to give a Ouija board a try. And while nothing alarming occurred during her experiment, for the next 10 years or so, she would have consistent nightmares of a demonic black-haired woman staring at her from outside her window. The dream persisted throughout various stages of her life, including her first pregnancy in 1984, during which the dreams became more frequent and more frightening. However, after the birth of her daughter, my sister, the dreams came to an abrupt end, begging the question, was this dream a standard manifestation of my mom's deepest fears, or was she the victim of a minor demonic possession, one that could only be eradicated by the birth of an angelic blonde baby? Thank you for your call. 
She poses an interesting question there at the end. Was it a figment of her mother's imagination? Or was there something more sinister at work? It's no secret that the use of the Ouija board is synonymous with hauntings, negative experiences, and even possession. But how much truth is there to the tales? Can a piece of cardboard really open a gateway to another realm? Perhaps the board is only a tool, and it's the user's psyche that is doing most of the work. To those that are not familiar, a Ouija board, or spirit board, is a flat piece of material marked with letters of the alphabet. The numbers 0 through 9, the words yes, no, hello, and goodbye. It uses a small heart-shaped piece of wood or sometimes plastic called a planchette to indicate a spirit's message by spelling out a word or phrase. Participants place their fingers on the planchette and it moves about the table spelling out words. The name Ouija is trademarked by Hasbro Incorporated, but is often used generically to refer to any talking board. The board is now a popular game or toy, but in the late 19th century, it was a serious tool used by spiritualists in seances around the world. To date, there has been no concrete evidence that a board has ever successfully contacted someone from the other side, but that has not stopped thousands from claiming anecdotal evidence. Our next caller does just that. Hey, what's up, Derek? Big fan. I got a funny story. Went to summer camp growing up, and this one girl brought a, like, a Ouija board, a makeshift Ouija board. You know, not, the, not the ones you buy in the stores, but it was like a white board, and she had drawn the letters on it and used like a peanut butter cap as the piece, whatever it is. And uh, it just became this huge obsession in camp. And um, the first night that it was used, this girl's cabin used it. You know, we're all 13, 14 at this time. And um, I kept talking about it. Oh, this guy Charles, he's such an asshole. This guy, this guy Charlie or Charles. And, you know, he would, he would swear at us. He would say something mean, and then he'd go away, and then it would stop working. You know, the weird thing was is that, you know, of course, when the boys grabbed the board, and they're like, let us use it tonight. And, um, you know, I mean, then... And they took it, you know, at 2 in the morning, started, they used it, a couple guys sat around, and, you know, the same thing, this Charles guy just kept, you know, popping up on the board, and just zipping to Charles, and then, you know, some profanity. You know, I think the weird thing was is that one of the counselors used it, and then he said the same thing, you know, and, uh, it was just like the thing of, who is Charles? And I think the weird thing was is that when that board went back, um, you know, when we went back home after camp was over, I heard another story with that same board that uh, another group of friends used it, and they were like, who's this Charles guy that keeps popping up on the board? So I kind of find that, like, weird, you know? Is it, is it, is it attached to the board? Is it, you know, is, there, is that what people believe? Or, or is it in their minds that they know that this Charles thing is, you know, going around, so they just play to it? I, mean, I have no idea. But I'm curious what other people have to say about their story. Thank you, caller. I myself never attended summer camp, but I can imagine that a combination of the atmosphere and the age of the attendees, that it would be quite easy to creep each other out. Toss in a Ouija board and things could really get out of hand. It's easy to get caught up in the excitement surrounding these things. Everyone swears they're not moving the planchette, yet somehow it seemingly moves on its own. How would one explain that? Science might actually have an answer. 
I pulled the following soundbite from scienceofscams.com. Let's give uh, let's give this a listen. The scientific explanation of the Ouija board is very simple. The people taking part are actually moving the glass themselves without realizing it. This subconscious movement is known as idiomotor action. Because the movement is created subconsciously, some people are convinced that the powers of the Ouija board are real. They don't realize that they are moving the glass themselves. To create this clip, we invited a group of girls to take part in a tour of a haunted house. This is Richard, who was playing the part of the guide. Richard made up a haunted history of the building, which he told to the girls as he showed them around. By the time the girls were ready for the Ouija board, they were convinced that the property was haunted and were expecting something to happen. This expectation helps their subconscious generate the movement. After their tour around the house, we asked the girls who they thought had moved the glass, and this is what they said. No, I wasn't moving the glass at all. I didn't think I was pushing it. I wasn't moving the glass. I wasn't moving the glass. In fact, my fingers were barely touching it at one point, and it seemed to shoot across. I genuinely thought there was something there. As you can see, the girls taking part were convinced that they did not move the glass. It's this belief that makes it so easy to believe in a paranormal explanation. There are ways to prove that the movement is created by those taking part. In 1853, a scientist called Michael Faraday created a test to discover where the movement was coming from during similar paranormal demonstrations. We recreated Faraday's experiment with a group of 21st century young people who were able to make a glass move on a Ouija board. Faraday suggested placing layers of card on the moving item, in our case the glass. As the glass moves, the layers of card also move. However, this movement will be different depending upon where the force is coming from. If the glass was being moved by spirits, then the layers of card would be dragged along behind, sloping away from the direction of movement. To simulate this effect, we dragged the glass with a piece of cotton. However, if the movement was coming from one or more of the people touching the glass, then the layers of card would move first, sloping in front of the glass. Faraday's experiment confirmed that the force was being applied by the people touching the moving object. When we placed layers of card on top of the glass, our results matched Faraday's. The Ouija board may seem strange and spooky, but it can be explained with science. The secret is idiomotor action and expectation. It has nothing to do with the paranormal. Now, I'm not saying that everyone that's experienced an event while using a Ouija board fell victim to this but it does explain a little bit of what's going on. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Our next caller delivers a strange tale unlike any other I've ever played thus far. Here is that call. Hello, Here There Be Monsters. My name is Soren, and I've been wondering if I should call in with this story or not. And then in your intro the other day, you mentioned Dogman, and uh, and I thought, all right, I'm going to call. So, uh... When I was about 12 years old, I was driving with my mom uh, down the East Coast, down to Atlanta to visit my grandparents. And it had been a long, long drive. We arrived late, late at night, one in the morning or so. Uh, And when we got 
into their neighborhood, um, we made a wrong turn somewhere and ended up pulling into a little cul-de-sac, little suburban cul-de-sac with houses around it. But it was uh, pitch black, no lights on at all, except for the lights of our uh, headlights sweeping through. And so we immediately knew we were in the wrong place, we are in this little cul-de-sac, and so she pulled forward to make a you know, U-turn around the cul-de-sac. And there was a big dog right in the middle of the cul-de-sac, just sitting calmly, uh, looking away from us. And it was huge, not like unnaturally huge, but, but uh, St. Bernard or a really large uh, golden retriever or something like that, but St. Bernard size. And she pulled up, expecting it to kind of move out of the way, and it slowly turned its head around toward us, and as its face faced us, and I can still see it really clearly, though I am the first person to doubt my story, uh, as the face turned around to face us, it was, uh, it was an absolutely human-looking face. Uh, no, no fur on it. it. It had dog ears, but no snout sticking out or anything like that, a regular nose and a regular human face, very calm, simply looking at us out of very human eyes. Uh, and... You know, it was probably just a trick of the of the lights, the the shadows of the headlights shining straight on it or something. But it was enough that my mom and I looked at each other and uh, going, "Oh my God!" She slammed it into reverse and and backed out of the cul-de-sac as fast as we could, and then once out on the main street, took off. Uh, and we both turned to each other and said, "Did you see the face? Did you have uh, a human face? I was a dog with a human face." Again, I am the. Uh, I'm the first person to <laughs> to think, oh, it's just a trick of the headlights. But that that image of that face has has stayed with me for for 30 some years now. Thanks so much. Thank you, Soren, for your call. I gotta say, that is a great story, and it's so much unlike any other story I've ever played on the show, or let alone heard. I'm not ashamed to admit that Dogman is my favorite cryptid. As a kid, I was fascinated by the werewolves of cinema. So much so that I now work on films depicting the creatures. So I have a soft spot in my heart for this story and that cryptid. I'd love to do an entire episode on the Dogman and the Beast of Bray Road. So please hit me up if you've encountered one. As for Soren's experience, aside from his suggestion of a strange lighting trick and a man in a dog suit sitting in the middle of the road, there aren't many explanations for this encounter. I suppose someone could have taught their dog to wear a Halloween mask, but that seems even more unlikely. It's stories like this that really make me wish that dash cam cameras were available back in the day. I'd love to lay eyes on this thing. Thank you again, Soren, for calling in. I'm really glad you decided to do so. And unfortunately, this is where I leave you for the evening. Thank you all for listening. I want to remind each and every listener out there to call in with your encounters. Without them, there is no show. So please, make the call. If calling's not your thing, head on over to our website, www.heretherebemonsterspodcast.com, and click on the Submit Your Story tab. There you find a completely anonymous submission field where you can leave your story. Follow the show on Instagram. Simply search Here There Be Monsters Podcast. While you're at it, do the same for Facebook. I post all kinds of stuff on both to pique your interest. Help keep the show going financially. 
Jump on Etsy.com and search for The Rag and Bone Emporium. Now that's in as in Nancy, not in as in and. Or you can simply jump on the podcast website and follow the link. I create all kinds of strange art, perfect for the weirdo in your life. Lastly, if you like cryptozoology, and I know you do, head on over to www.cryptopia.us and stay up to snuff on all the current crypto news. Once again, thank you all for listening, and until next week...